Theme text today is taken from the book of Daniel, chapter 5, verse 27. Please take your Bibles. Daniel chapter 5 and verse 27. This book goes back about two and a half thousand years. Jesus referred on occasions to the book of Daniel. Chapter 5 and verse 27, dear hearts and gentle people. Daniel 5, verse 27. Tekel, you've been weighed on the scales, or it says in the KJV, you've been uh, weighed in the balances and found uh, wanting. The topic today is your appointment with God because everybody has an appointment with God whether we like it or not. In this presentation, we're going to talk about Dr. Ben Carson and President Obama. I'm going to mention also these bricks. And we're going to talk about those a little bit. We're going to talk about Belshazzar's feast, our appointment with the Creator, and the awful surprise The true grace is never cheap. Now please come to Daniel 5 and verse 22 and onwards. Daniel 5, verse 22 and uh, onwards in the Holy Bible. Daniel says to this young scoundrel who was about 35 years of age and Daniel was well into his 80s. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. These are pretty strong words. Verse 24 says, Therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Meany, meany, tekel, parson. This is what these words mean. Meany, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Peris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. I want you all to know this today, and those watching on television, I want these words to sink down into your soul so that you will never forget it. There is a coming judgment day And the clock of heaven is ticking. Every one of us has a case at court. Many of you folks were thrilled with Dr. Ben Carson, who, like us, is an Adventist Christian. Dr. Ben Carson is an illustrious American, a patriot. He's the director of pediatric neurosurgery 
at John Hopkins Hospital and University. Dr. Carson was born and raised in poverty. His father was like so many fathers, at least where Dr. Carson came from, he knew how to beget, but he quickly forgot and he left his son. But Ben Carson had an amazing mother and she said, you can be what you want to be with God's help and never come home from school with a B. If you come home from school with a B, you'll be facing the judgment day. And so Dr. Ben Carson learned to study and he learned uh, to work good American values. He spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast with President Obama listening. He spoke about American values, of which I am proud. He spoke about honesty, hard work, and American values have got nothing to do, my friend, with political correctness. Now, America prides itself on being a land of freedom and freedom of speech. That is somewhat of a myth. Try going to many places today and talking about certain subjects. You're not allowed to. On the campuses of the great American universities, you have thought police. They're checking up to see what you're thinking. And Ben Carson said to the president, I do not believe in political correctness. He warned against corruption and moral decay in America. He spoke about the Roman Empire and he said, America is going down the same road as the Roman Empire. Now what he said, of course, in the ears of some was rank heresy and certainly was not politically correct. However, what Ben Carson said was the truth. And then he was interviewed on the Fox network. And they said to him, I'll talk more about Dr. Carson in a moment, but this is just a little preamble. They said to him, do you think it's too late for America? He said, it could very well be so. He said, I, I love America and I pray for America and I believe in America, but America is walking in the footsteps of the Roman Empire. And I would say to you today, America is being weighed in the balances. The world and the church are facing the judgment day. Now, I've had the privilege of being over in Iraq, of going to Iraq on many occasions. I've been to the old city of Babylon on many different occasions. I've been into the banqueting hall, or what is left of it, of Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, bricks like these. 
are everywhere present. And on these bricks, you can actually see the ancient cuneiform, the writing of the ancient Babylonians and people like Belshazzar and Nebuchadnezzar. Come now to Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1. People who are ignorant say you cannot believe the book of Daniel. I say ignorant, yes, they're ignorant of truth. Daniel 1 verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Look at me. Many will tell you young people that this is simply a fairy tale at the best, a pious fraud. I want you to know today that Nebuchadnezzar was a real person and so was Belshazzar. I will never, never forget my visit to Babylon, my last visit, as I climbed up the hill that was once Nebuchadnezzar's summer palace, I stopped and I took out my Bible because I take it everywhere and I turned to the prophet Isaiah. Please turn with me. Isaiah 13 and verse 19 and onwards, dear hearts and gentle people. Isaiah chapter 13 and uh, Verse 19 and onwards, Babylon, the jewel of kingdoms, the glory of the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, pride, will be overthrown by God like Sodom and Gomorrah. She will never be inhabited or lived in through all generations. No Arab will pitch his tent there. No shepherd will rest his flocks there. But desert creatures will lie there. Jackals will fill her houses, there the owls will dwell, and there the wild goats will leap about. Hyenas will howl in her strongholds, jackals in her luxurious palaces. Her time is at hand and her days will not be prolonged. When I was there, it may seem too hard to believe. After reading these texts as... My television crew and I climbed up the hill. Out came a little jackal from one of the rooms in Nebuchadnezzar's palace. I thought to myself, the word of God is true and you can believe in the prophecies. We could have changed world history. My crew was carrying a big television camera and also a large tripod which could pass for a bazooka. And as we climbed up the mound of the palace, all of a sudden in the sky above us, this is absolutely true, there were gunships, helicopter gunships circling us. Sky seemed to be filled with them. We just went on and then a detachment of Iraqi soldiers led by a captain came running up the hill and he came to me and he said, what are you doing? What are you doing? We said, we're filming the ruins of Nebuchadnezzar's palace. He said, 
this is a big incident. I said, why? He said, you see the road there? I said, yes. 200 yards away, 200 meters away? Yes. He said, did you see all those cars go down? I said, yes. He said, that was Saddam Hussein. He said, how did you ever get here today? We told him we'd been given permission from the Department of Antiquities, but we were within 200 yards of Saddam Hussein with a bazooka, as it appeared. And when I have gone to Babylon, I have felt a sense of destiny and a sense of history. One of the heroes of our story today is Belshazzar. The Bible says that the last power on the throne of Babylon was a young profligate whose name was Belshazzar. For many, many years, skeptics derided the Holy Scriptures because every secular historian said, no, not Belshazzar, but who? Nabonidus. Nabonidus. It appeared as though the Bible was wrong. And then this inscription that is on the screen was actually found and it told the story that Nabonidus had a son. That is the cuneiform, like we've got here today. Nabonidus had a son, and his name was Belshazzar. And Nabonidus retired from being the king and went up to the north of Arabia, and he passed the kingdom into the hands of his son, Belshazzar. The skeptics were wrong, and the Bible was right. The Bible talks about Belshazzar, and Belshazzar knew history. He knew the story of Nebuchadnezzar, one of his ancestors. But Belshazzar chose the wide path of sin instead of the narrow path of righteousness. And the time came when he was summoned to the judgment bar of God he was weighed in the balances and found wanting. It reminds one of the words of the hymn, there's a line that is crossed by rejecting the Lord, where the call of his spirit is lost. As you travel along mid the pleasure mad throng, have you counted, have you counted the cost? A person can go too far. And Belshazzar went too far and he was weighed in the balances and found wanting. Now I want you to turn to the great book of Daniel, chapter 5, the greatest of the prophets after our Lord, Daniel chapter 5, and we're going to read the entire chapter, Daniel chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 1. And uh, Mr. and Mrs. Wexler are going to come, Donna and Blake. We're so glad that these dear folks are members of this church. You look very nice today. Thank you. <laughs> you look okay. <laughs> <laughs> Turn to the text. Look at the text. Daniel chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet 
for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. The king called out for the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Daniel 5, verses 8 through 16. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. O king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man Daniel, Daniel whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and a knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Thank you, Blake. Thank you, Donna. Now we're going to have Mr. and Mrs. Sims, also members of this church, Caroline and Isaac. You look very nice today. Thank you, Pastor Carl. Mm. You look okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Daniel chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. 
Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. O king, the Most High God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the peoples and nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. Thank you, Caroline. Mm -hmm. I will be reading Daniel 5, 22 to 28. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, stone, and wood, which cannot see or hear or understand. You did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. This is what these words mean. Many, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. And we're just going to finish this chapter. Let me read to you... Um, Starting verse 29. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Uh, it's really an amazing story, especially when you've been to that place. Because of the desecration of sacred things, the holy things of God, he didn't care for the holy things of God. This young waster had never learned the difference between the secular and the profane, the secular and the holy, the profane and the righteous. When he was drinking wine in the holy vessels from the Hebrew temple, there came this bloodless hand and wrote over on the wall, many, many, tackle you fasten your weight in the balances and found wanting. And that night, the blood of the king mingled with the wine of the banquet hall. The judgment was unexpected and inevitable. I think I should read you a statement I've got here. It's amazing. It's written by Dr. Heslop. There was a last night in the history of Belshazzar. 
There is a last night to everything and everyone on earth. Most of us don't believe this. A last feast, a last fight, a last dance, a last movie, a last cigar, a last drink, a last cigarette, a last oath, a last supper, a last night. The Belshazzars of today, we see them on television all the time. They make their great feasts, drink their expensive wines, profane holy things, and mock holy men. But there is a last night for them all. I would like to remind you today, my friend, that from the ruins of Babylon, there comes a message for your heart and mine. Every one of us, doesn't matter who you are, every one of us has an appointment not with the church, but an appointment not with the president, but an appointment with God. Would you please notice Daniel 7, 9 and 10. As I looked, Daniel 7, 9 and 10. As I looked, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, its wheels, wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and uh, the books were open. Look at me. The Bible teaches that there is an infinite record that is kept of every life. This, of course, is not political correctness, but every thought, every deed, every word. Would you look at Revelation chapter 20? And you and I have a case of court. Revelation 20, just like Belshazzar. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11 to 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Another, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So there's a record of your life and mine. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Some time ago, I was having a conversation with Elder Valino Salazar, who was the secretary of the Southern California Conference. He said these words to me, they made a profound impression. He said, the tape recorder is running. He said it is running in the conference office. He didn't say this, but I said it's running in the White House. It's running for you and it's running for me. Every word, Jesus said, every word that man shall speak, he shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. The Bible teaches there is a divine judgment. And with Ben Carson, that distinguished doctor and Christian, 
I believe that God has a controversy with the nations of the world, including the United States of America, and with those who reject his grace. Dr. Ben Carson and I would share a similar theology. He believes in the judgment. He spoke about in the presence of the President of the United States, and it was providential that the President heard it. He spoke about the Roman Empire and compared it to the United States of America. He spoke about the Roman Empire and used these words, intolerance, persecution, fiscal irresponsibility, debt, wars, always wars, handouts for the masses, violence, infanticide, the killing of babies, circuses for the mobs, like our television, cruelty, immorality, sexual perversions, and the worship of idols. And then Dr. Carson said the words, America is morally corrupt and judgment is coming. People can dismiss him. They can say, what would he know? Well, he happens to know the word of God. I want you to know that God has a controversy with the nations. Would you come over here to Revelation chapter 8 and verse 8? This is a part of the seven trumpets that I understand. Didn't always understand the seven trumpets, I do now. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 8, it says, I don't have time to give an exposition of these verses, but let me do what I can do. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. If you understand this prophecy with a correct exegesis, it is talking here about the great nation of Rome that had an opportunity to hear the gospel of Christ, but because Rome rejected the gospel, the greatest nation, the greatest empire was taken by God and like a great mountain was thrown into the ocean. The Bible tells me that God has a controversy with the nations. Whenever individuals or nations, listen, reject the scriptures, the gospel, the truths of the Holy Bible, judgment eventually and always comes. I have been to the ruins, I believe, of Sodom and Gomorrah. I've had the privilege, I went there with Beverly many, many, many years ago to a place at the south eastern corner of the Dead Sea. And there we let the ashes fall through our fingers as we picked out the pieces of human bone that went back to the days of Abraham. There was a Sodom and Sodom was destroyed. Look at Jude. Verses 5 and onwards. Jude 
verses 5 and onwards in the Holy Bible. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the last day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, if some people today were writing the Bible, they would have left out this text. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Dr. Ben Carson, God bless him, referred to the sexual perversions that are now accepted in America. Listen to this. If a nation has had great light, as America has had, if a nation like America has had the Holy Scriptures that glorifies and condones and practices the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, she will be destroyed in exactly the same way. Judgment is coming for America and judgment is coming for the world. You know of Jerusalem. Would you come over here to Luke 21? It's strange that we think somehow we are going to be excused. Luke 21 and verse 20 and onwards. When you see Jerusalem, Jesus said, being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it'll be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There'll be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoner to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Listen to me. Babylon was destroyed. Then God brought the gospel to his own people, the Jews. And when they rejected the gospel of Christ, the Bible tells me Jerusalem was totally destroyed. God has a righteous character. And God is a righteous judge. Most of us in this church have heard of Alan White. Alan White, back in the early 1900s, said, San Francisco, she said, 
San Francisco and Oakland, she said, are becoming as Sodom and Gomorrah. And she said, the Lord will visit them in wrath. A little while after this, these cities were destroyed. I want the young people to hear this today. I'm not here to please you. I want you to know this. I don't care what the politically correct people say. To me, they don't count. I don't care what the people who run the television industry think. To me, they don't count. I'm not interested in them and how they glorify themselves and give themselves prizes. God is a righteous God. And when people commit the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, they will be destroyed. And if America turns away from the biblical truth of marriage, her doom is certain. Don't think that God will spare us. There was the American Civil War, which was a judgment of God upon the United States of America because of slavery. And because of slavery, the nation became drenched with the blood of hundreds of thousands of young Americans. You must all realize that the clock is ticking. Thomas Jefferson, one of the great founders of America, he said, I fear for my country when I know that God is just and justice cannot sleep forever. The clock is ticking. Tick, 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 tick. Whatever Washington says, it can't stop the ticking of the clock. The papacy today is in a lot of trouble. The Pope has resigned. First Pope to do so in 600 years. The papacy today is embroiled in lawsuits. And it is now common knowledge as revealed by the former Jesuit, the great Malachi Martin, that there has been demonism in the halls of the Vatican. Homosexual activity in the Vatican. The clock is ticking. And this, what we're seeing today, is a judgment upon the Vatican. When I was in Damascus years ago, I was sitting at a table and I heard some people who spoke a bit like me. And uh, I discovered it was the Australian ambassador to Iraq. And they were in Syria at the time and we were planning to go into Iraq. He said to me, you need to be very careful because they pick up foreigners and they torture them. Throw water over them and they torture them with electricity. We went into Iraq and while I was there, I was placed under house arrest. I've had some great experiences. I really have. 
because inadvertently we took pictures of Saddam Hussein's palaces. Uh, just out, and I was locked up for a little bit, but God preserved me. But this was a man who carried out abominable crimes against humanity. But for him, the clock was ticking. Tick, 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 tick. You are weighed in the balances and found wanting. So shall it be with every dictator and every ruler who leads his people into sin. He doesn't look so good there, does he? Found in the spider hole. The man who called himself the new Nebuchadnezzar. He called himself that. The moving finger writes. And having writ moves on. Nor all your piety or wit shall lure it back to cancel half a line of it. Nor all your tears wash out a word of it. So for every person watching the telecast, you may like it what I'm saying, you may not like it. It makes no difference to me. But every one of us is judgment bound and so are the nations. America is judgment bound and so is the world and so is the church. There's only one thing that can wash out a word of it, and that is the blood of Christ. Our only hope is the blood of Christ. As sinners, judgment bound, we need to break with the world. You know what would be good if every one of us did? We went on a diet of television. We abstained from the garbage for a week or two. Now, I've been in here for the last week, and then I had a bug. I didn't watch any television at all. I didn't watch CNN. I didn't watch anything. And my brain is cleaner. <laughs> I want to tell you folks something. You don't even get the facts when you watch television. You get propaganda. Well, that's why today most people hardly know what it is to read a book. They can't think. This is Satan's deception. And the judgment will come and take them all away. Judgment is coming for America, for the world, for you and for me, in this life and in the world to come. Look at Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. Just as man is destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. And look at Acts 17. 1331. So do I believe in the judgment? Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Acts 17. Do I believe in political correctness? No, I don't. Acts 17, 1331. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day which he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Now come back to the book of Isaiah. There is a judgment. You say this doesn't sound good. Well, if you are not good, of course it doesn't sound good. But if you are right with God, then you need not fear the judgment. 
Isaiah 14, verse 26 and 27. This is the plan determined for the whole world. This is the hand stretched out over all the nations. The hand stretched out over the White House. There's a hand stretched out over Los Angeles. There's a hand stretched out over you. For the Lord Almighty has purposed and who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out. Who can turn it back? Nobody. Remember the words, God is just and justice cannot sleep forever. I wish that you and I sometime would do some serious Bible study, study the seven trumpets. The first judgment against the earth is the land of Israel. There'll never be peace in Israel until the coming of Christ. How can you have peace when you crucified the Messiah? After Israel, it is Rome. That's the second trumpet. The third trumpet is the medieval church. The fourth trumpet is the judgment of God upon atheism, secularism. The fifth trumpet, the coming of the demons. The sixth trumpet, the total rule of demons over the earth. Read it sometime. Get a good commentary, which I could recommend. Look at Revelation 11. Now, Alan, you come up now and you're going to read this text. This is the seventh trumpet, which is the judgment of God upon the nations. Now, I know that most of you folks here, all you think about is making a living. You need to start to think about making a dying. Come over here, Alan, and you're going to read Revelation 11 and verse 15 to 19. This is Alan de Leon. Glad to have you here, Alan. Thank you. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints, and those who reverence your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and with his temple was seen the dark or the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. Thank you, Alan. That's a picture of the final judgment. What shall we do? My beloved friends who live in the most superficial society on the face of the earth. The hardest place to be a Christian is not Moscow. It's not Johannesburg. It is America. Because of so much superficiality and political correctness. What shall we do? Notice what Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was a forerunner of Belshazzar, not his immediate father, but one of his ancestors. There were a number of kings between Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. But father in the Bible simply means ancestor. 
Daniel, is that certain? Yes, absolutely. Daniel 4, 27 and 28. Notice what God said to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 4, 27 and 28. You got it? Daniel 4, 27 and 28. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. This is when he was talking to Nebuchadnezzar, not Belshazzar. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. But when you come down to Belshazzar, so many years later, there is no word of hope for Belshazzar. You know why? He'd had his day. He had his opportunity. And God doesn't just pass out opportunities forever. God said to Nebuchadnezzar, who was wise enough to accept the counsel, repent. Break off your sins. Show mercy to the poor. And I would add, read the scriptures and obey them. Read the scriptures and obey them. Come over here to Matthew 7, to the words of Jesus. Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 24. We're not going to read it all. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, like loving your enemies, like going the second mile, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it was, had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. It's talking about people who simply listen. Cheap grace. Listen to it. I would suggest to you today that the religion of America is cheap grace. Cheap grace says believe in God and do whatever your heart desires. As Pierce Morgan said to one of the great preachers, in this country, he said, I don't like people talking about sin. I don't believe in this stuff about sin. He said to the pastor of Saddleback, who was a man of God, he said, I don't like this stuff about sin. Well, Pierce Morgan, we don't care whether you like it or not. You see, we are interested in going to heaven. Cheap grace, believe in God and do whatever your heart desires. You are free to love sexually anyone. You are your own law. God wants you wealthy. Millions are deceived by this foolishness and they sit in great churches and none of them has a Bible. They're being brainwashed. They're being brainwashed. Totally brainwashed. And the clock is ticking. 
The religion of Babylon is cheap, artificial grace. But remember, no cross, no crown. We need to trust in Christ as a penitent for salvation and start to take our religion seriously like most of us don't. I had a man who sang this for me once in a campaign, Pastor Cook in Australia. I dreamed that the great judgment morning had dawned and the trumpet had blown. I dreamed that the nations had gathered to judgment before the white throne. He'd give you goosebumps when you heard him sing this. From the throne came a bright shining angel and he stood on the land and the sea and he swore with his hand raised to heaven. The time was no longer to be. You see, we don't believe this anymore. We just watch television. That's where we get it from, our religion. We look at stuff and we see men with men, women with women, and after a while we say, well, it must be all right. And the clock is ticking. Do you think God is going to apologise to Sodom and Gomorrah? And oh, what a weeping and wailing as the lost were told of their fate. They cried for the rocks and the mountains. They prayed, but their prayer was too late. The rich man was there, but his money had melted and vanished away. A pauper, he stood in the judgment. His debts were too heavy to pay. The great man was there, but his greatness, when death came, was left far behind. The angel that opened the record, not a trace of his greatness could find. The widow was there with the orphans, God heard and remembered their cries. No sorrow in heaven forever. God wiped all the tears from their eyes. The gambler was there and the drunkard and the man who had sold them the drink. With the people who gave him the license, together in hell they did sink. The moral man came to the judgment, that's the church person. But his self-righteous rags would not do. The men who had crucified Jesus had passed off as moral men too. The soul that had put off salvation, not tonight, I'll get saved by and by. No time now to think of religion. At last, they had found time to die. Hear the word of the Lord. He was ears to hear. Let him hear. Amen. The Carter Report is a self-supporting ministry with a global mission. We believe that the most important thing that we can do in this tremendous hour is to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. We do not believe that this is business as usual. We believe that we are living in the closing hours in the history of this world. Bless your heart, friend. Look at the signs that are being fulfilled almost every day. The signs of the times are shouting at us and they're saying, Jesus is coming soon. I want you to be my partner in global mission. 
I want you to be my partner in helping to tell the world about the coming of Jesus. I want you to be my partner in the preaching of the distinctive truths of the three angels' messages. Please check us out at the new Carter Report website, carterreport.org. We have a special section whereby you can ask questions and I will give you the answers from the living Word of the living God. That is thecarterreport.org. My friend, we want you to join us in the mission to preach the gospel in China, in India, in Australia, in Africa, in the United States of America, wherever people are lost and wherever people need to hear the good news that Jesus saves. Please check us out. The new Carter Report website, carterreport.org. I want to hear from you today. Oh, to go. Call-